When watching the Under Armour All-America game on Tuesday night, it remains clear that South Carolina has a bright future on the football field. Our Locked On Gamecocks, your daily podcast on the South Carolina Gamecocks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Gamecock Nation, and welcome back to the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, your show for daily headlines and potential storylines on your favorite South Carolina Gamecock sports teams. I'm your host, Andrew Lyon, and as always, thank you for making the Locked On Gamecocks podcast your first watch or listen here today. We are free and available on YouTube and wherever you get your audio podcasts daily. And with the football season now having officially concluded, we are now also starting to see the recruiting season wind down for South Carolina, both in terms of high school recruiting and the transfer portal, both of which we are going to talk about on today's show right here on Locked on Gamecocks. And we're going to start with an all-star game that took place on Tuesday night as South Carolina saw five commitments and one remaining recruiting target play in the Under Armour All-America game yesterday evening. And when watching the group overall, this was the sense that I got. This group clearly has a ton of potential. We'll dive into each of these guys specifically in just a few moments. But overall, most of this group is still going to need some refinement in their game whenever they arrive to Columbia before they can make an immediate impact on the football field. So, Let's go ahead now and go through each of these guys one by one real quickly. Starting off with Marquis Anderson, who, in my opinion, out of the entire group, did the best on Tuesday night. Marquis Anderson, in terms of being ready to play college football right this second, out of this specific group, and quite honestly, out of the entire 2023 recruiting class, he might be the most college-ready prospect that South Carolina got in their 2023 recruiting class. I thought Marquis Anderson really excelled in the run game, especially he's a very good athlete. He understands the importance of keeping his feet moving while he is trying to block his guy. He is extremely dangerous when he is paired up with another offensive lineman on his team in a combo block in the run game. And he also can handle himself in pass blocking as well. And he's versatile. He can move between left guard, right guard, right tackle, you name it. Dorman played him in multiple spots when he was playing for the Cavaliers this past season and they sort of did the same thing with him in the Under Armour All-America game. So in terms of overall performance, I thought Marquis Anderson did the best in the Under Armour All-America game last night. Now, while we're talking about linemen, let's talk about Trevon Ball real quick. Now, Trevon Ball got a ton of snaps, especially in the first half and saw some sporadic action in the second half. And I thought that he did well in the run game, kind of like Marquis Anderson But I will admit, it does look like that Trevon Baugh is going to need some improvement in pass protection. Now, obviously, Trevon Baugh is an interior offensive lineman. That is where he's going to be playing for South Carolina whenever he arrives in Columbia sooner or later. And while admittedly because that's the case, that means that maybe his strengths aren't going to need to lie in pass protection He does need to get a little bit better about making that initial contact with guys when they're coming right at him in one-on-one pass protection situations. But of course, Trevon Baugh has not gotten to a college strength and conditioning program yet. He has yet to receive college coaching 
from Greg Atkins, Lonnie Teasley, or whoever is going to be coaching him, of course, at the next level. So he's going to have plenty of time to develop the pass protection side of things a little bit more to become a more well-rounded offensive lineman whenever the time comes when he could have the opportunity to start here for the Garnet and Black. Now, let's move to the defensive side of the ball real quickly with Xavier McLeod and Desmond Umiozulu. Now, neither of these guys admittedly made a big statistical impact on Tuesday night, although Desmond Umiozulu did force a fumble in the game. But when looking at both of these guys, I do think that this game was very important for the both of them for the same exact reason, because Desmond Umeo-Zulu and Xavier McLeod, in terms of their ability to dominate a game at their respective high schools, both of these guys excelled in that aspect. Xavier McLeod has an extremely explosive, quick twitch off the line of scrimmage, was a guy that was extremely powerful at Camden High School, and for the most part, rarely faced an offensive lineman that could actually go mano-a-mano with him for an entire football game. Desmond Umeo-Zulu was kind of the same way, I believe playing for Charles Herbert School up in the DMV region, mainly playing against a bunch of, I believe, prep and Catholic teams. Desmond Omeo-Zulu was just dominating guys with his pass rush moves, his wingspan, his athleticism. He has the total package at that defensive end position, as I've mentioned before, and it's why I think he's going to have a chance to really push for significant playing time. But what we saw from both of these prospects on Tuesday night was this. They faced competition that was on the same level as them. And while they weren't necessarily dominating or anything like that, I do think that both of these guys sort of struggled with the idea that their move A, like their primary pass rush move that usually worked for them at their high school, did not work for them as consistently at the All-America game last night. Now, you know, Xavier McLeod did have a great week of practice as well that led into this game, which should not be discounted. He was known as someone who was one of the best performers in practice leading into the Under Armour All-America game on Tuesday night. But in terms of the actual game itself, again, it's not necessarily a bad thing. But I think both of these guys learned in this game that one thing they might need to do when they get to Columbia is start to develop a B move or a C move so that whenever they face a situation where their primary pass rush move is not working, they're going to have some counters to work with against opposing offensive linemen at the next level. Now, Kelton Henderson, I have to admit, I don't really have a whole lot to discuss regarding him. He did not really get targeted as much in this game, so admittedly, probably not very fair to come to any final conclusions regarding his performance. From what I was able to see with the targets he did get, I do think that Kelton Henderson does have really solid route running because multiple times I saw him getting separation against his defender. It's just that the pass wasn't always delivered accurately or it wasn't even delivered to him in the first place, but... Kellen Henderson, in my opinion, did show some good stuff in the route running department, something that, not that I didn't see it whenever I watched film on him, you know, months and months back when he committed to South Carolina in the first place, but I more so noticed how he was used in short yard situations behind the line of scrimmage, and he sort of created explosive plays himself, but... 
He showed in this game, in my opinion, that he can also do that when he's actually going out on some intermediate routes as well. So I'm really excited to see what Kelton Henderson's going to be able to do whenever he comes to South Carolina. And then the last player we're going to talk about real quick, Nicholas Harbour, who ended up playing tight end in the Under Armour All-America game last night. Now, playing tight end, he did get a few catches in this game, including an explosive passing play in the second quarter where I believe his team was at like the 27-yard line, their opponent's 27-yard line, and he caught basically a deep dig over the middle of the field and wound up taking it all the way down to about the 8-7 yard line. So basically deep within the red zone. And I was impressed with, you know, just how seamless he is running out there. I mean, you know, again, for a guy that has not played much offense in most of his football career, it's not looking too difficult for him with the God-gifted talent and ability that he's got. And he also showed the ability to high point the football even though it was thrown above him when he was running that dig route so it's a very small sample size of course but I thought that with what we did see Nicholas Harbour looked really good and of course again as I'll mention with everyone else with some time and some sort of molding of his skill set I think that Nicholas Harbour could be a fantastic player here at South Carolina if the Gamecocks of course land him by the time the recruiting cycle officially ends with National Signing Day on February the 1st. Now getting away from recruiting and getting back to looking ahead to the 2023 season there's one position unit on this team that in my opinion could make or break their potential to be a preseason SEC East contender in 2023. And no, I'm not talking about quarterback. Quarterback is the easiest answer that you can ever give for this kind of question. But I'm thinking of a different position group. And I'll dive into which one I'm discussing in just a few moments right here on Locked on Gamecocks. Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Bet Online. Now, with the football season pretty much being wrapped up now, national championship, of course, coming next Monday, and now being fully into basketball season, I went and looked back to see what the odds were for South Carolina to win the Women's Basketball National Championship, according to Bet Online. And South Carolina, no shocker, are the listed favorites by Bet Online with odds of plus 145. So if you feel like making what in your mind could be some easy cash money with this bet, feel free to go and hit that plus 145 on South Carolina to win it all on the women's side of the bracket. BetOnline continues to be your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis, where you can get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from college football and the NFL to college basketball and esports. BetOnline has got it all, including sports podcasts, which you can find on BetOnline as well. They continue to be the fastest and easiest way to get in your betting fix. So head on over to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more because BetOnline is where the game starts. Welcome back to this Wednesday edition of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, where we cover your South Carolina Gamecocks every single day. Thank you for making Locked On Gamecocks your first listen every day. Make sure to check out Locked On Sports today, where the biggest stories around the sports world take place in 20 minutes or less. Plus, you'll get instant reactions, big game recaps, and Locked On's take of the day. Locked On Sports today, available on YouTube 
and wherever you get your podcasts. All right. Now, as I said before getting into the first break, there's one position unit on this team that I think is going to either make or break their potential to be a contender in the SEC East in 2023. And in my opinion, that position group is the offensive line for South Carolina. Now, before I get into why I think this is the case, let's dive into what the offensive line could look like in 2023. Because the thing is, this group is going to look vastly different than it did in 2022 when you consider all of these facts. They're losing three starters in Eric Douglas, Javon Gwynn, and Dylan Wilhelm. Javon Gwynn recently announced just yesterday that he was officially foregoing his final year of eligibility and declaring for the NFL draft. He had the COVID year left if he wanted it, but he's decided that he's done with college football and he's moving on to the NFL. Between all three of these offensive linemen, get this, they had a combined 124 starts in their college football careers. 124 starts. That's just between those three guys. That is just an absurd number that you're only seeing really these days because of the COVID eligibility rules that were installed after the 2020 pandemic season. South Carolina is also going to have a carousel that has continuously gone on with the left side of the offensive line starting really this year especially between Jalen Nichols, Fashawn Lee, and Ja'Kai Moore. It has been a hodgepodge over there, and I think mainly that's been because neither of these guys have been consistent enough to maintain a spot in the starting lineup at a specific spot. Fashawn Lee was the starting left guard, then they moved Jalen Nichols in there, then they moved Ja'Kai Moore in there, Jalen Nichols back to left tackle. They've been doing a lot of moving around to really try and figure out, it seems like, what the best group is on that side of the offensive line. And it seems like based on, you know, the movement that took place even late in the season that this coaching staff is still trying to figure that out. So you're going to have three guys that have all started games there. But the question is, um, does the staff have confidence that it's going to stay that way for all 12 games? That's something to keep in mind heading into this next season. The Gamecocks are also bringing in graduate transfer Nick Gargiulo to play center. Obviously, the transfer offensive lineman from Yale, who was the team's sole captain this past season, has started a plethora of games at that center position. And uh, South Carolina is very excited about this get. He is pretty much, um, I I guarantee you, he's going to be the starting center for the Gamecocks this next season, no matter what. The Gamecocks, of course, are also bringing in 2023 recruits and Marky Anderson, Travon Baugh, Oluwatson Babalade, and Jatavius Shivers. Now, if you ask me personally, do you see any of these guys maybe playing or starting from day one? I would still say there's only one guy that has a really good shot to pull that off, and that would be Marky Anderson. I think the rest of these guys are going to need some time to develop. And in my opinion, that one area is really pass protection for varying reasons. Travon Baugh and Olawatson Babalade, I think, have potential to be decent pass protectors. They just need to really work on that a little bit more. Jatavia Shivers played in an offense at his high school in Georgia where they ran the ball like two-thirds of the time in football games. So he didn't have to go back and pass protection as often. He's got the size, and he can be a bookend tackle for South Carolina. But again, he's going to have, in my opinion, a little bit stronger of a learning curve because it's going to be a little bit more balanced in terms of maybe run and pass in this offense at South Carolina compared to what he had in high school. 
The Gamecocks also have promising young linemen that they got in the 2022 recruiting class. Guys like Kaysen Henry, Ryan Brubaker, and Grayson Maines. Kaysen Henry was apparently battling Tyshawn Wanamaker for that starting right tackle spot heading into the Gator Bowl. And I don't think that was just a bunch of smoke being blown out by Shane Beamer. I think that the staff, from the sounds of it, is very impressed with Kaysen Henry so far. He's got a real tenacious, nasty attitude on the football field. Offers good size and athleticism and mobility at his size. So he's someone that could also throw his hat in the ring as someone who could be playing a lot of snaps in 2023. Ryan Brubaker, I mean, my gosh, he was known as the guy that was a swimmer along with being a football player in this class. And South Carolina fought really hard to get him. This guy had really solid offers from other teams like Penn State, like Michigan, Auburn, Florida, plenty of really solid programs at the FBS level who wanted Ryan Brubaker. So you know that Ryan Brubaker has a ton of potential based on everything I just mentioned. Grayson Maines, really solid high school wrestler along with being a really good offensive lineman, understands the importance of having a low center of gravity. That is stuff that is very hard to teach for some offensive linemen. So all these guys offer reasons why they could contribute. Now, we've gone over the entire composition of this offensive line group heading into next year. And of course, South Carolina might not be done there yet, which we'll talk about more in a few minutes. But the thing is, when I talk about the offensive line, it's not just because of the fact that they're replacing a lot of experienced starters, especially on the right side of the line of scrimmage. It's mainly because of the fact you look at what is going to be changing around this group. Think about this. South Carolina could be heading into 2023 with a new quarterback behind center. I know some of y'all, of course, are really hoping Spencer Rowler comes back, but we do have to prepare for the possibility of him not coming back. South Carolina is going to have a new starting running back. Is it going to be Mario Anderson Jr., the transfer from Newberry? Is it going to be Dontavious Braswell, the impressive four-star prospect out of Georgia? Is it going to be someone else that picks up that mantle? They're going to literally have an entire new group of tight ends here that was not here last year. And almost a completely new starting cast at wide receiver to carry on Joyner being in there. Amarian Brown as well. Antoine Wells could very well be back, but again, we don't know that yet. You've also got guys like Omega Blake, Landon Sampson, and others as well. It's an entirely new group that they would be relying on this next season. So when you look at all of this, in my opinion, all of these possibilities mean one thing. There needs to be one main group that has got to be the driving force for this offense next year. And it has to be the offensive line. That means that South Carolina is probably going to need one of those young freshmen or redshirt freshmen to step in and be a starter. That means that that group of Jalen Nichols, Rashawn Lee, and Ja'Kai Moore, two of those three guys have got to figure it out, have got to be more consistent so that South Carolina doesn't have to do this rotational stuff in the middle of the year for a second year in a row. South Carolina is going to have to hope that Nick Gargiulo and Spencer Rattler or Luke Doty or whoever the starting quarterback is next year are going to be on the same page in terms of getting all the communication down, pre-snap stuff. There's a lot of things that need to go right here, but it might be the only way that this offense can really and truthfully take off next year. And I know some of you are going to sit there and say, well, Andrew, if they get Spencer Rattler and Antoine Wells back, this offense will be just fine. Listen, If you don't have an offensive line that has it, for the most part, figured out in front of a star quarterback, 
We've seen what can happen to star quarterbacks. I mean, you look at Patrick Mahomes, the Super Bowl against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers just a couple years ago. Patrick Mahomes is considered to be one of the most talented quarterbacks in this generation. He didn't have a good offensive line heading into that Super Bowl, and the Chiefs got just annihilated. It didn't matter the fact that he had a future Hall of Famer in Tyreek Hill and another future Hall of Famer in Travis Kelsey at tight end. It did not matter. So obviously, you know, I'm not trying to compare the Gamecocks to the Kansas City Chiefs offensively, but the point is offensive line can make or break this offense next year, especially when you consider everything else that could take place or has already taken place at other spots heading into this offseason. Now, with South Carolina looking at potentially a lot of new faces in their offensive line position unit and also the starting lineup subsequently as well, Shane Pieper and this staff, it seems like, are still set out to try and get one or two more guys that could come in here and provide some immediate help to take some of the pressure off some of the younger players in this group, the freshmen and redshirt freshmen. There's two specific transfer portal linemen that Gamecock fans are going to need to watch moving forward. Let's start off with Eastern Michigan offensive lineman Marcellus Johnson. Now, Johnson was offered late last week by South Carolina. And um, let me tell you, this guy is already a hot commodity in the transfer portal, and for good reason. He has started 31 games in his career. He was named the MAC Offensive Lineman of the Year this past season and a first-team All-MAC selection both by the Pro Football Network and he would be considered a graduate transfer. So obviously, again, a guy that brings in a ton of experience would be just like Nick Gargiulo where he would basically be a stopgap plan for one year to take one of these offensive line spots. Now, I believe Marcellus Johnson has played left tackle for Eastern Michigan for the last few years. So obviously, you know, if the Gamecocks could get somebody like him, they might have to worry about trying to rotate a bunch of guys at that spot this next season. Because the thing is, you know, Jalen Nichols has had his bright moments, but at the same time, again, he just has never been able to find consistency in his game, especially at a spot at left tackle where you cannot have someone who's inconsistent. You've got to have a stable force at that left tackle spot so that your quarterback can be a little bit more at ease when standing back in the pocket. Marcellus Johnson has the chance to offer that. Now, the Gamecocks are going to be fighting a lot of other teams for this cat. He's been offered already by 12 other Power 5 schools from what I have seen since I last checked. And he's also been offered by BYU, who, of course, is a solid FBS independent program. So to put it bluntly, South Carolina's not the only team that's going after him. But South Carolina does have a unique case to give him as to why he should consider coming to Columbia. Now... He's not the only target on South Carolina's board at this point in time, as the Gamecocks have also offered Western Illinois offensive lineman Sidney Fugar, I believe is how you pronounce the last name, F-U-G-A-R. I hope I got that correctly. But Sidney started nine games for Western Illinois in 2022. He is a big man, as he is listed at six foot five, 332 pounds. So certainly size is not an issue here for this offensive lineman. He has got a nasty mean streak in his own right, which seems to be a broken record with all the guys that Greg Atkins and Lonnie Teasley look at for the offensive line position unit. He always plays through the whistle. He moves well for his size as well. I will admit this much. I do think that he is someone that mainly you want to try to get upfield if he's going to be run blocking, especially. I don't necessarily think that he's a guy that you're going to try to send out laterally on like some buck sweep or some pin and pull type of run blocking scheme. 
I think he's basically best served going upfield, trying to go straight for a linebacker or any sort of second-level defender. And the other thing is, Sidney Fugar, along with his size, he's got a very, very solid wingspan at that left tackle spot, which makes it uh, very, very difficult for opposing defenders to get around him. Now, Sidney Fugar, of course, the question there would be, could he handle the level of competition in the SEC? Is he someone that maybe would have to play right tackle instead of left tackle this next year? No matter which way you slice it, it certainly seems like that Shane and the staff are not satisfied yet. They want to try to get at least one more guy in this group so that they've got a decent little core that they built up of both veteran players who have been in the program for a couple years and young guys who they can mold and develop into potentially really solid offensive line by the time they are done here at South Carolina. So it's going to be interesting to see how all of that plays out moving forward. And with that being said, that's going to do it for today's show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. I hope that y'all thoroughly enjoyed today's show as always. What are your thoughts on South Carolina's players who participate in the Under Armour All-America game on Tuesday night? If you watched it, what were your thoughts on some of South Carolina's commits or targets? Was there something that I did not mention that you took away from the game? In terms of the importance of next year, what's the one position unit that you think could make or break this team in 2023? And also, what are your thoughts on South Carolina's recent offers in the transfer portal regarding the offensive line position? Let me know your thoughts down below in the comments section. If you're watching today's show on YouTube, or you can shoot me a direct message on Twitter at A-Line underscore SC, and I'll try to respond to your message as quickly as I see it. And once again, don't forget to make Locked On Sports today your second listen or watch now that you have listened to or watched the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. But once again, that does it for me on today's show. I hope you all have a great rest of your Wednesday, and I will catch you all on the next show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast.